folks, this is Dr. Gersmar from Aspire Natural Health. This is one of our shorts where I answer a question, concern, or topic to help you take better control of your health. Let's get on with the show. Hey folks, it's Dr. Gersmar from Aspire Natural Health here. I was updating uh, some blog posts and came across uh, an article I'd written about my most current recommendations for vitamin D. Realizing it's been a while since I had current recommendations, I sat down to revise the article and found there was so much that I had to talk about that I thought it would just be easier uh, to do this short audio on it. So welcome. Let's talk about the most current recommendations for vitamin D. It is currently June of 2018. So if you're listening to this at some point in the future, uh, there will probably and undoubtedly be more updates uh, from there. But here's what we know today. All right. So I was early on the bandwagon for higher doses of vitamin D. Here were the kind of initial things that we've been thinking about. So there was data coming out clearly showing that there was what's called a latitudinal distribution of certain illnesses. Now, latitude is north to south. And for example, Seattle, pretty far north, um, you know, giving us good parts of the year without too much in the way of sunshine. And that's not to joke about all the gray, cloudy days as well here, but pretty far north. And we have one of the highest incidents of multiple sclerosis around. So again, multiple sclerosis, autoimmune disease, uh, where the brain and nerves are attacked by the immune system, causing a lot of nasty stuff to happen. Now, what you see with multiple sclerosis is that the further south you go, or, or more correctly stated, the closer to the equator, middle of the world, that you get, the lower the incidence of multiple sclerosis is. And we see this holding true for a number of different diseases. So it was thought, what changes as one moves from the equator to the north, and that is the amount of sunlight and therefore the amount of vitamin D. So we were thinking, could vitamin D be one of or the reason we see this change? Now, the second thing, of course, is that as vitamin D tests have become more routine, uh, we saw more and more people were showing up as being very low or deficient in vitamin D. So, so far, so good. Increasing disease rates farther north, low levels of vitamin D. Now, next, we have something called the naked ape theory. So, as many of you know, I use ancestral medicine or what happened uh, in, you know, both traditional societies hundreds or thousands of years ago, plus our evolutionary past, what's happened in the past couple million years as a hominid, to get a starting place of health and, and how things affect us. And so, the naked ape theory goes like this. Well, humans don't have a lot of hair compared to, like, chimpanzees or gorillas or dogs or cats or many other animals. And when we lived in Africa and other warm climates, we see traditionally people don't wear a lot of clothes. Makes sense, right? No air conditioning. And then also not just going to be able to jump down to the store and make clothing. So a lot harder to get your clothes. So we hypothesize the naked ape theory. Well, we're not wearing much, if any, clothes for a long time in our past. We know that we normally get vitamin D when sunlight strikes our skin and where our species grew up, there was a lot of sunlight. So therefore, we must have had a lot of sunlight exposure and higher levels 
of vitamin D. So we're putting this all together now. The farther north you go, the sicker you get in many ways. The further towards the equator, the healthier. Uh, we see that many people are low in vitamin D from an ancestral perspective. We're thinking that people got a lot more vitamin D in the past. And then the last piece that kind of came in was we began to understand that vitamin D is there for much more than just bones. So historically, vitamin D was discovered as the anti-rickets nutrient. So rickets is a case of very soft bones where the bones are not forming correctly or they're very soft. It can cause uh, stunting and growth retardation um, in, in people who have it. And it was really discovered back in the day in small old London at the time, it was so little sunlight because of all the smog uh, that people were getting rickets and they figured out that vitamin D was the nutrient that stops you from getting rickets or helps you to have healthy bones. And for a long time, that was all vitamin D was thought to do. However, more recent evidence points out that that is completely wrong, that vitamin D actually has functions all over the body. And for this discussion and the work that we do at Aspire Natural Health, we're thinking about the many effects that it has on the immune system. So you put all of these things together, and that was why I had initially jumped on the bandwagon of higher levels of vitamin D. So here in the States, we use a measurement um, in nanograms. Uh, so we were thinking uh, that levels of around 60 to 80 nanograms would be a great level, and that often requires people to take somewhere between you know, 4,000 and 8,000 IU of vitamin D a day, which is much higher than the official recommendations, which are between 400 and 800 uh, IU per day. So we enthusiastically supported that, However, we began to see that some of our assumptions were wrong over time. So we do see that when people are sick, they tend to have low vitamin D levels. And putting together some pieces of evidence, we were thinking, well, low vitamin D levels either cause some of these sicknesses or at least contribute or allow them to occur. More recent evidence suggests while that still may be true, we also may be looking at this backwards. So instead of low vitamin D causing or contributing to some of these conditions, we're actually seeing that these conditions cause or contribute to low levels of vitamin D. That is, when you are inflamed, whether that's from something like autoimmune disease or cancer or infections or a whole host of other issues, what we tend to see is that the immune system burns through a lot of vitamin D. So using it up at an accelerated rate and thereby contributing to low levels of vitamin D. So it looks like at least partly we had this backwards. If that's the case, then giving more vitamin D isn't necessarily going to fix those issues, but fixing those issues would help your level of vitamin D. So I hope that makes sense. Rever we think we have the, the causation, A causes B, backwards, and it's really B causes A. Now, I tend to think that both of those things are going on, that low levels of vitamin D do contribute or allow certain disease states to occur, and that many disease states deplete our levels of vitamin D as well. 
The second thing that we began to see, so all this tremendous interest in vitamin D, a bunch of scientific papers began to come out saying, great, if we supplement with vitamin D, do we see these things improving? Because at the end of the day, what we're concerned about is whether people get better or stay healthy or not. And what we found for the most part was that these studies were pretty disappointing. Now, I will point out, and I've said this before, that single agent therapies, which is the specialty of the conventional system, it's very easy comparatively to study than when you're doing a whole bunch of things at once, but single agent therapies generally don't work that well. So just giving vitamin D, I wouldn't necessarily expect to see massive changes going on for people, and we never do a therapy that's just here, take some vitamin D and that's it. But these studies still showed pretty much a staggering lack of effectiveness. So not only were we thinking that we got the causation backwards, but we weren't seeing a lot of the, the benefits that we were hoping to get from vitamin D. All right. So let's bring in a couple more points. So we've talked about the two main functions of vitamin D. The first is bones. So we definitely know that levels below 12 nanograms are considered at high risk for bone problems. And we definitely do see some people at or below 12 nanograms. Now, the conventional system, the most kind of conservative estimates say that above 20 nanograms uh, our bones should be in decent shape, and other evidence that I've seen suggests that the benefits to vitamin D for bone health, in particular, peak at around 30 nanograms. So elevating it to 30 nanograms is a good thing for bone health, and above 30 nanograms does not seem to show additional benefit. Now, many of the recommendations stop there and say, okay, all you need to do is get your levels to around 30 nanograms and you're good to go. And that may be true for bone health, but the thing that interests me more as someone who works with digestive and autoimmune issues is what about that second major factor that we're looking at, the effects of vitamin D on the immune system. Now, Science has fleshed out a few of the things that vitamin D does, for example, like stimulating T regulatory cells. As its name suggests, regulatory cells are cells that calm and control the immune system. And often in autoimmune diseases, we see a deficiency of these T regulatory cells as part of what's going on for people. So the question that unfortunately we are not able to answer is what level, we know that around 30 nanograms is a level that's good for bones, but what is the level that is good for controlling the immune system? Now, clinically, talking to other doctors, we see that the ranges are all over the place. So again, some people are suggesting 60 nanograms, others 80 nanograms. I've seen other doctors that are recommending above 100 nanograms, which is technically a high level of vitamin D. Now, is there much concern with vitamin D? And the answer is not particularly. If you try very hard, um, you can hurt yourself with vitamin D. And how this tends to happen is this. Vitamin D increases the absorption of calcium from your digestive system. And that's one of the ways that it helps bones is by making sure that any calcium that you're eating, either from food or from supplements, 
is adequate for your needs. And, you know, let me pause to say that's one of the reasons we think that the recommendations, the official recommendations for, uh, excuse me, for calcium are so high is because so many people have low levels of vitamin D that you need more calcium to absorb, to get the same amount into the body. Whereas if your vitamin D levels are good, then you're going to be absorbing more calcium and the need to take in large quantities of calcium is, is much diminished. Okay, so we know that, again, the, the, the question is, what is the appropriate level of vitamin D for the immune system? Because after all, a lot of us are dealing with inflammatory issues, autoimmune diseases, and other things that are going on. And let me just give you the short answer. We don't know. Now, um, the next thing that we want to talk about is the fact that vitamin D is not equal to sunlight. So those of us who live here in Seattle or even farther north like to think that, you know, we are indoors a lot. We don't get a lot of sun even when it's available and it's not always available. So we're just good if we take vitamin D, right? So we got this idea in our heads, a lot of people, that vitamin D equals sunlight. And we know that that is not true. Vitamin D is one important you know, thing we get from the sun, but the sun does much more than just produce vitamin D, like it increases nitric oxide levels. Nitric oxide is a substance that opens our blood vessels, lowers our blood pressure, and protects our heart. We also know that sun hitting our skin causes the release of endorphins and other compounds from our skin. And one of the reasons that so many of us feel good after getting some sun exposure on our skin. So through all of this, we have to acknowledge that vitamin D is not equal sunlight. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't take vitamin D here, but it means that we shouldn't assume that taking vitamin D is going to do the same thing as full-spectrum sunlight exposure. So we could ask, is one of the reasons that we see this north-south you know, increasing or decreasing, depending on which way you go, incidence of disease, is it actually from the sun like we thought, but does it have less to do with vitamin D and more to do with some of the other effects that sunlight brings? So therefore, when we increase vitamin D, we don't see the same benefits. Instead, if we increased our sun exposure, might we see those benefits? And the, uh, the answer is perhaps. Now, I've talked before about how sun exposure is not the big bad guy uh, that we've been led to believe it is. That doesn't mean we want to be irresponsible and burn or get way too much sun exposure, but we don't constantly need to slather ourselves in sunscreen and hats and avoid the sun at all costs. We know that that hurts us. Okay, so we've covered quite a few things here from what we initially thought about vitamin D to uh, the different functions that vitamin D does, to some uh, learning how some of our assumptions about vitamin D were incorrect, to some of the levels of vitamin D that we want to aim for, and lastly, to the fact that vitamin D does not equal sunlight. So what can we say about how much vitamin D that we should take? And that's a, that is a good question. One of the things that has to be taken into account as someone who works with a lot of digestive issues is what the digestion is like. So when we are taking vitamin D, it has to be digested and absorbed through our digestion. If we're having a lot of problems with dysbiosis like SIBO or other dysbioses, inflammation in the gut, uh, you know, damaged gut, damaged digestion, not digesting properly, we can see that we'll, the need 
for vitamin D will be much greater because it's absorbed much more poorly than in someone whose digestion is in great shape. Now, I found many people can take between 1,000 um, and 2,000 units of vitamin D per day and maintain levels of, a, of you know high 20s and low 30s, which is adequate for bone health. So if you're really not sure and you're otherwise healthy, everything is working for you, generally speaking, somewhere around one to 2,000 units of vitamin D a day is probably going to be a good level for you. It maintains bone health um, and, you know, any risks are, are utterly minimized. Now, where we come into the uncertainty is what about people with things like autoimmune diseases and other inflammatory conditions? How much vitamin D should they take? What level should they shoot for? And again, let me say, I don't know. I haven't found the research that tells us exactly where we should be. But while we're aiming for around 30 nanograms for bone health, I've set my sights at around 60 nanograms uh, for people dealing with inflammatory conditions. Now, most of the time, this is going to require between you know 3,000 and 5,000 units of vitamin D per day. And with someone with a compromised digestive system, it could be quite a bit more than that. So this is why it is important to get your vitamin D levels checked and make sure that your levels are in good shape. We've definitely seen some people taking vitamin D and their levels are far lower than they or we expected them to be. And we've also seen some people get themselves into overloaded and potentially toxic situations with vitamin D. So please, it is important um, to get your levels checked. Now, again, if you can get sun exposure, so we mentioned before that vitamin D does not equal sunlight. So getting out in the sun in a smart way, not burning, but again, realizing that that prime daytime, so what's typically considered between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. is going to be prime time for getting vitamin D and going out in the early morning hours or late at night, is you're going to make much less or no vitamin D. So it is important to get out during those hours and get some sun exposure. Simply getting your face or your hands um, is generally not adequate. Um, so you want to get as much exposure as you can, at least arms and legs. Um, and you may want to cover your face since your skin on your face is one of the most sensitive. Um, and then from a pure vanity standpoint, all of us, um, you know, we don't want to be more wrinkled uh, than normal aging is going to bring for us. So we often recommend um, not getting a lot of sun exposure on the face, but definitely the arms, the legs, um, and, and your head and neck. And if you can, um, you know, getting it on your chest or back, um, you know, going out in a bathing suit or, or whatnot into the sun and getting that. So the more skin that's exposed, the less time you need. The less sun that's exposed, the more time you need, but never enough to actually get a sunburn. All right, so we recommend sun exposure as much as you can and enough vitamin D to get yourself around 60 nanograms on a blood test. Now, is this final word? As we've said, no, this may change. Um, it may be more, it may be less. Again, some doctors are saying they're not seeing the benefit in autoimmune diseases until they get to 80 nanograms and some beyond 100. Now, the last thing to say is we began this thinking about the naked ape theory. Okay, did our, our ancestors grew up in an environment that was rich in vitamin D, sun exposure, and therefore rich in vitamin D. So there, we, we have a few holes to poke in this. First of all, we know that animals, including uh, you know, traditional people, 
Sorry, I just want to make sure I'm not calling traditional people animals there, but animals living in the wild and traditional humans living in a wilder state than us, you know, Western city-dwelling uh, people, um, will often avoid the sun at the hottest part of the day because um, it dries you out and can cause heat stroke and everything. And so they'll often uh, stay in the shade during the hottest part of the day when they would get the most amount of vitamin D. So we begin to question, okay, hang on. It wasn't that our ancestors were just laying around uh, baking in the sun and getting all of that vitamin D. The second thing on the flip side that we need to think about is that we don't live in an ancestral environment anymore. We know autoimmune diseases and some of these others were quite rare in traditional societies and unfortunately are becoming quite common now. So while our starting place is this ancestral medicine, thinking about what humans have dealt with for hundreds of thousands or millions of years and what was going on in traditional societies in the last few thousand years, it's not always enough to end there. Again, the common argument, well, so-and-so never took vitamins or nutrients or various other things. And the answer is, well, yes, but so-and-so lived in a different world. Now, those of us with autoimmune and other inflammatory conditions, I believe, probably need more vitamin D, and it's possible more vitamin D than can be safely gotten through sun exposure or is considered, quote-unquote, normal for people. So hopefully more to come on that in the future. And what, you know, uh, the era of intensely personalized medicine, uh, we would love as well, because I would be love to tell you that you need 52 nanograms, and the person sitting next to you uh, needs 65 nanograms. And we just don't know that. So I think a safe point if you're otherwise healthy, is aiming for a vitamin D of around 30 to 40 nanograms, somewhere in that range. And if you have autoimmunity, somewhere in the range of around 60 nanograms. And one more thing. We talked earlier about how taking things one at a time rarely achieves the kind of results that we're looking for. So when we talk about dosing of vitamin D, we have to also remember the other supporting nutrients. Vitamin D doesn't do its job alone. So things like vitamin A, vitamin K, magnesium, and a number of other nutrients all work together to get the effects that we're looking for from quote-unquote vitamin D. So we'll include a link to some other nutrients that you should also think about and make sure that you're not simply uh, supplementing vitamin D without taking the other nutrients into account. All right, folks, I hope that has been helpful. Um, those are my current thoughts on vitamin D as of uh, mid-year 2018. And again, we'll update as more information becomes available. So the lessons to take away, again, there are no magic bullets. When vitamin D came out, we thought, aha, maybe this is a magic bullet and science uh, and, and further clinical experience has shown us that's not the case. We don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so please, you know, vitamin D is important. Many of us are deficient. The more sun exposure you can get, the less you need to supplement. The less sun exposure, the more you need to supplement. But again, vitamin D is not the sun. All right, folks, at Aspire Natural Health, we are experts at treating digestive issues and autoimmune diseases. If that's you or someone you love, uh, please, we'd love to talk with you. We can arrange a complimentary call. Again, it is no pressure and no obligation. Our only goal is to see if we might be the right practice to help you. If we are, we'll talk about next steps to move forward. And if we're not, that is okay. We will do our best to guide you to the place where you can get the help that you need. So please, there is no risk and absolutely nothing to lose. Please give us a call at 425- 
202-7849 or email us at info at aspirenaturalhealth.com. All right, folks, until next time, take care. Well, that's it for us today. We're here to help. If you found this helpful, can you think of one person who also might find this useful and share it with them by either clicking the share button or sending them the link to the show? At Aspire Natural Health, we're experts at treating digestive issues and autoimmune diseases. If that's you, we'd love to connect with you. Let's chat. We guarantee a no-obligation, no-pressure discussion to find out if we're the right fit for one another. If we are, we'll move forward. And if we're not, we'll do our best to connect you with someone else who can better serve you. You have absolutely nothing to lose, so get in touch with us at 425-202-7849 or by emailing us at info at aspirenaturalhealth.com. Until next time, folks, take care.